You say, as I see it, the world is a school for spirituality and life itself is a spiritual practice. Everybody strives for perfection. And what is spirituality but a kind of striving? There is nothing contemptible about the so-called common people <laughs> and their common lives. They strive as hard and suffer as much as the spiritual seeker, only they are not conscious of their true purpose. Life asks, in what way are these common people that you refer to, me being one of them, spiritual? You say, well, our ultimate goal is the same. What we secure by renunciation, uh, the common person, uh, the everyday person, realizes through experience. The way of experience is unconscious and therefore repetitive and protracted, while the way of spiritual seeking is deliberate and intense and therefore can maybe be more rapid. Life says, yeah, you know, maybe the periods of seeking and experience alternate. First experience, then seeking, then again experience, then again seeking. You ask, what's the point of that? Life answers, well, weak desires can be removed by introspection and meditation, but strong, deep-rooted ones must be fulfilled and their fruits, sweet or bitter, tasted. You say, why then should we pay tribute to spiritual seekers and speak slightingly of those whose lives are led by experience? Everyone's a sort of spiritual seeker in a way. Life says, on the human scale of values, deliberate effort is considered praiseworthy. In reality, both the spiritual seeker and experience seeker follow their own nature according to circumstances and opportunities. The spiritual seeker's life is governed by a single desire to find the truth. The experience seeker serves many masters, but the experience seeker uh, may become a spiritual seeker and the spiritual seeker may be helped by a bout of experience. The final result is the same. You say, Buddha is reported to have said that it is tremendously important to have heard that there is, that there is enlightenment, a complete reversal and transformation in, in consciousness. The good news is compared, I think they compare it, to a spark in a shipload of cotton. Slowly but relentlessly, the whole of it will turn to ashes. Similarly, the good news of enlightenment will sooner or later bring about a transformation, maybe this transformation on the self, all of the self, just sort of disintegrating and consciousness and awakening and experience being left in its place. Life answers, yes. First, hearing something, maybe a, a podcast of us talking, then remembering bits of it, then pondering it a little and so on. Yeah, we, we're on familiar ground here, right? The person who truly experiences the news every day becomes a spiritual seeker, while the rest continue in their search for experience. You say, but you do agree that living a life, just living the humdrum life of the world, being born to die and dying to be born, advances us, right? Just by its sheer volume, just like the river finds its way to the sea, by the sheer mass of water it gathers. Life answers, before the world was, consciousness was. In consciousness it comes into being, in consciousness it lasts, and into pure consciousness it dissolves. At the root of everything is this feeling, I am. The state of mind, there is a world, is secondary. For to be, I do not need the world. The world, so to speak, needs me. Not the me of experience, but 
the me of consciousness. You say, the desire to live, it's such a tremendous thing. Life answers, still greater is the freedom from this constant desire to live. You say, is that not the freedom of the stone? Life answers, yes, the freedom of the stone and much more besides. Freedom, unlimited and conscious. You say, is not personality required for gathering experience? Life answers, as we are now, our personalities are only obstacles. Self-identification with the body may be good for an infant, but true growing up, true maturity depends on getting the body out of the way. Most animals outgrow body-based desires early in life. Even the experiential seeker who does not refuse enjoyments need not hanker after the ones they have tasted. Habit, desire for repetition, frustrate both the, spiri the, the spiritual and the experiential seeker. You ask, why do you keep on dismissing the person, the human being, talking of us as of no importance? Personality is the primary fact of our existence. It occupies the entire stage. Life answers, as long as you do not see that personality for the most part is mere habit, built on memory, prompted by desire, you will think yourself to be a person, living, feeling, thinking, active, passive, pleased or pained. Question yourself, ask yourself, is it so? Who am I? What is behind and beyond all this? And soon you will see, or you may see, your mistake. And it is in, this, in the very nature of a mistake to cease to be when seen. You say, well, the, 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 what we call yoga, the wisdom of living, of life itself, uh, uh, natural yoga, natural wisdom, it reminds me of primal wisdom mentioned in the Rig Veda, which was described as, as the sort of combination or marrying of life with mind. Life says, a life lived thoughtfully in full awareness is by itself this. We don't need any special terms, really, to describe it. You say, what does the marriage of life and mind mean, then? Life answers, living in spontaneous awareness, consciousness of effortless living, being fully interested in one's life. All this is implied. You say, this makes me think of the wife of a famous guru who used to scold uh, the disciples of this guru for too much effort. Um, she compared them to mangoes on the tree which are being plucked before they are ripe. Why hurry, she used to say, wait till you are fully ripe, mellow and sweet. Life answers, how right she was. There are so many who take the dawn for the noon, a momentary experience for full realization, and destroy even the little they gain by excess of pride. Humility and silence are essential for a seeker, however advanced. Only a fully ripened soul can allow themselves complete spontaneity. You say, it seems there are schools of spirituality and philosophy where the student, after illumination, is obliged to keep silent for seven or twelve or fifteen or even twenty-five years. Just the other day I heard of someone who imposed on themselves twenty years of silence before they began to teach. Life says, yes, the inner fruit must ripen. Until then, the discipline, the living in awareness must go on. Gradually, the practice becomes more and more subtle until it becomes altogether formless. You say, Krishnamurti, too, speaks of living in awareness. Life answers, yes, he always aims directly at the ultimate. Ultimately, all philosophies settle in this place, the marriage of consciousness to life.
And please feel free to use all genders when thinking about that metaphor. We are working in a in a non-binary place here, so it could be, you know, bride to bridegroom, bride, bride, bridegroom, bride, 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 bride bride to bride, groom to groom, etc. It does not matter what we call things. In this realm, consciousness, consciousness and being um, meet in bliss. For bliss to arise, there must be meeting, contact, the assertion of unity in duality. You say, Buddha too has said, I just want to go back to this point here, uh, where he talks about the marriage of consciousness. So, um, <laughs> in the text there is this reference to the marriage of consciousness the bride to life the bridegroom and uh, uh, that that's a little part I, I, I just wanted to sort of modernize a little bit um, because life is not the bride sorry consciousness is not the bride and life is not the bridegroom maybe consciousness is the groom and and life is the groom as well you say, Buddha too has said that for the attainment of nirvana, one must go to living beings. Consciousness needs life to grow. Life answers, the world itself is contact, the totality of all contacts actualized in consciousness. Spirit touches matter and consciousness results. Such consciousness, when tainted with memory and expectation, become bondage. Pure experience does not bind us. Experience caught between desire and fear is impure and therefore creates conflict in the mind. You say, can there be happiness in unity? Does not all happiness imply necessarily contact, hence duality? And does not all happiness require also a sense of the sadness that preceded before? Or the non-happiness that preceded before? Life answers, there is nothing wrong with duality as long as it does not create conflict. Multiplicity and variety without strife is joy. In pure consciousness there is light. For warmth, contact is needed. Above the unity of being is the union of love. Love is the meaning and purpose of duality. Above the unity of being is the union of love. Love is the meaning and purpose of duality. You say, I am an adopted child. My own father I do not know. My mother died when I was born. My foster father, to please my foster mother, who was childless, adopted me, almost by accident. Uh, he, this person, is a simple man. He's a truck owner, he's a driver, and my mother keeps the house. I'm 24 years old, and for the last two and a half years I've been traveling, restless, seeking. I want to live a good life, a holy life. What am I to do? Life answers, Go home. Take charge of your father's business. Look after your parents in their old age. Marry another human animal or care for someone else, including non-human animals and creatures. Be loyal to them. Be simple. Be humble. Hide your virtue. Live silently. The five senses and the three states, or the gunas as they are called, uh, inertia, activity, and peaceful harmony. These are your eight steps on this path. And I am is the great reminder not I am, but I am. You can learn from them all you need to know. Be attentive. Inquire ceaselessly. That's all. You ask, if just living one's life liberates us, why are not all people liberated? Life answers, 
All are being liberated. It is not what we live, but how we live that matters. The idea of enlightenment is of utmost importance here. Just to know that there is such a possibility changes one's entire outlook. It acts like a sort of burning match in a heap of sawdust. All the great teachers did nothing else but light that match. A spark of truth can burn up a mountain of lies. The opposite is also true. The sun of truth remains hidden behind the cloud of self-identification with the body. You say, this spreading of the good news of enlightenment seems very important then. Life answers, the, the, the very hearing of it, you could say, is a sort of promise of enlightenment, uh, is a promise of something, of freedom. The very meeting of a wise human animal is the assurance of liberation. Perfection is life-giving and creative. You ask, does a realized human animal ever think, I am realized? Um, <laughs> uh, do they not take themselves to be just ordinary human beings? Life answers, neither ordinary nor extraordinary, just being aware and affectionate, intensely. Being aware and affectionate, intensely. These human animals look at themselves without indulging in self-definitions and self-identifications. They do not consider themselves as being anything apart from the world. They are the world, and in this way, they are completely rid of themselves, like someone who is very rich, but, but continually gives away their riches. They are not rich, for they have nothing, but they are not poor, for they give abundantly. They are just propertyless. Similarly, the realized human animal is egoless. They have lost the capacity of identifying themselves with everything and anything. They are without location, placeless, beyond space and time, beyond the world, beyond words and thoughts, are they. You say, well, all of this is a bit of a mystery to me. I mean, I'm just a simple soul. Life says, it is you, though, who are, who are complex, mysterious, hard to understand. I, in some way, I, life, I am simplicity itself. In comparison, you know, I am what is, without any distinction, whatsoever into, you know, the inner, the outer, the mind, the yours, the good and the bad. What the world is, I am. What I am, the world is. You say, how does it happen that each human animal creates their own world? Life answers, when a number of human animals are asleep, each dreams their own dream. Only on awakening, the question of many different dreams arise and dissolve when they are all seen as dreams, as something imagined. You say, but even dreams have a foundation. Life answers, in memory, true. Even then, what is remembered is but another dream. The memory of the false cannot but give rise to the false. There is nothing wrong with memory as such. What is false? is its content. Remember facts and forget opinions. You say, what is a fact? Life answers, a fact is what is perceived in pure awareness, unaffected by desire and by fear. A fact is what is perceived in pure awareness, unaffected by fear and desire. <laughs>